Research is a podcast that explores current nutritional research and health studies. Our lawyer says we have to let you know that this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informative purposes only. If you have any health questions, see your doctor or licensed health professional. All right, welcome back to Research. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Lisa. Welcome. Welcome back. We have uh, yet another great study to talk about today. Shocker, really shocker. Yeah. I know this one's fun, although we say that every week, but every week is so cool because we're learning new stuff every week. So and we find the best studies to share with you. So that's why I we know. get excited about it. I know. Well, I, I'm always looking whenever I'm looking for them. I'm always looking for really great take home messages and just usable information right it can't just be nonsense that like oh that's interesting but then you can't do anything with it so yeah it's exciting seeing very specific things that people can do to improve their health and that is what this is about so Lindsay, this week you found an amazing very interesting study on something i've literally never eaten before so please share <laughs> this is fun so the study i am going to be talking about today the title is effects of long-term consumption of broccoli sprouts on inflammatory markers in overweight subjects so, so yes we are not talking about broccoli but we are talking about broccoli sprouts yes please tell us what this is because in all honesty the only thing i i the only thing i can relate to broccoli sprouts is i think i remember in a health food store many years ago, seeing a big bag of seeds that was being sold as broccoli sprouts. Yes. Is that so what you can grow, uh, well, you would grow them into sprouts. Right. So it's, it's sprouts are the baby plant. Right. And how little, like an inch? Um, like I would say sprouts? up to, t- uh, you know, I would say up to two inches. Couple inches. Okay. Yeah. I've grown them in mason jars. I've, I've done other types of sprouts. Um, actually we did like a science experiment with my kids one, one year and we grew sprouts and they just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then when it was time, they were like, mom, can we eat them now? And I was like, well, I guess so as they're inhaling the sprouts and they were like, these are so cool. We grew them ourselves. That is so cool. Tricks, parenting tricks. I'm telling you to get kids to eat crazy stuff. That's awesome. So broccoli sprouts are like the little tiny, tiny babies from seeds no dirt you don't even need dirt you just throw them in a jar keep them damp and within a couple days yes i would say anywhere between four to seven days depending on how warm it is wherever you are but yeah i mean these are things that you can grow yourself you can buy them like you can buy them and grow them in trays um you can get them pre-grown in trays you just snip them and then just eat the the beginning of the plant or you can grow them in jars and just eat them yourself so this is one of the reasons why i really like this article because this is something people can easily do and then as we'll talk about some of the suggestions because they gave way suggestions for how to get this in your diet it was easy. So, and it's worth it. Like this is something, little bit of investment, big payback, big nutritional punch, big nutritional punch, which Love is really it. cool. So, I mean, it's been long known that broccoli is really good for you. I mean, my mom used to tell us to eat broccoli. She'd make broccoli and put a little bit of butter on it because we know it has vitamins A, C, E, K, and then there's a bunch of minerals in it too. It's got lots of um, beta carotene in it as well, but it's got all these nutrients in it. And we're like, fantastic. And then of course, once we started the CSNN program, we started talking about how it had these things called sulfurophane. 
and I3C. Do you remember learning about that? Yeah, sulforaphane, yeah. And so, you know, oh, it's great for your body, especially your liver, because it really helps with detox, all of these sulfur compounds. So this is something that's actually been known for quite a while. Broccoli is really good for us. No shock. Yes. But what they wanted to do, so this study really did two things. One, it took a deeper look at the specific compounds or phytonutrients that are in broccoli, specifically broccoli sprouts, that are so good for us. Like, what are they exactly and how are they helping? They wanted to take a deeper look at, does it help with the inflammation? Is this one of the ways it improves health outcomes? The other thing is they knew sprouts were more nutrient dense. And so they started looking at testing um, different concentrations of these glycosinolates, they're called. So these are the compounds that eventually break down to all the metabolites that are really beneficial to our health. What's really cool, and this is why sprouts are so cool, sprouts contain 10 to 50 times the amount of glycosinolates as regular broccoli. So to get the same amount of these glucosinolates compounds, we would need to eat Mm -hmm. 10 times of the mature head of broccoli that we see in grocery stores everywhere that we people either love or hate in order to get the same amount as these sprouts. Yes. Cool. So I don't know what the actual like direct mathematical conversion is, but the concentration in sprouts is phenomenally higher. It's almost like a supplement. Yeah. Only it's just a sprout. It's just a vegetable. We're just eating baby vegetables. Like they're like broccoli, super powered broccoli. (laughs) Yeah. But just one thing I'm noticing, and this is such a theme in science. We're saying the same word differently. Did you notice that? (laughs) I'm saying, I know, I know. And half of them are. Because that's what I was reading. And I was like, uh oh, I'm going to have to say this. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's hilarious because uh, I don't know that there's a. I mean, I'm sure there's a proper way, but all of the the non-English words have different sources, like they're Latin or whatever. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's totally hilarious. But is there a right way and a wrong way? Because like here we say oregano and then the Brits say oregano. They don't. They do. What? Have you not heard that? No. You need to watch Jamie Oliver. No. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they say oregano. Right. Yep. So, I mean, who knows? We'll say it whatever way. Yeah, for sure. If you're like, what the heck are they talking about? Go look up the article. Yeah, because it'll be leaked. <laughs> so this is why they decided to work on sprouts, because you can get so much more bang for your buck. And all it took was, in this study, they were looking at 30 grams a day, which is half a serving. That's it. Something you can grab a handful, throw it in whatever food you're eating, and you're done. Do you see what I mean by easy? Yeah. It's, it wasn't a lot. They didn't have to sit down and eat 25 servings of broccoli a day in order to make it work. It was half a serving, which is like a quarter of a cup. A quarter of half a cup. cup. Right. Because the serving of fruits or vegetables. Wow. Is half a cup. That's, that's yeah. Great. It's not a lot. When we're talking like, so what they were specifically looking at was these glycos- <laughs> <laughs> glycosinolates. <laughs> I may edit that out. <laughs> but what's cool is... So this is the the form we see in the plant, in the broccoli. As soon as the broccoli is masticated or as soon as it's broken up, those compounds start changing immediately. And so like during the chewing process, there's breakdown of metabolites are forming. 
And then once it reaches the digestive system, it's breaking down even more. And so we end up starting with the same product, but there's a whole bunch of breakdown metabolites that are formed. And it's all these different metabolites that are really the reason we're getting all these health benefits from it. So it is the sulforaphane. It is the I3C. And then there was a few other ones, including one called DIM. Have you ever heard of that one before? Uh, Indo... You're on the right track. Yes, I can't remember right now. Diindol something, I can't remember. Diindol methane. Yes! Yeah, you were very close. So, close. so this is this is one of those breakdown products. So really, they're trying to increase as much as possible the starting product. And then we end up with a ton more of the breakdown product, the metabolites. It has been known, I just want to make note, brassica. So all of these vegetables, so we're talking about brassica broccoli sprouts however anything in the brassica family is known to contain these and this includes broccoli radish that was news to me i did not realize the radish was part of the brassica family Mm. did you know that i don't know because it has that kind of flavor to it but Mm -hmm. i totally would have known like kale yes kale is one cauliflower is one brussels sprouts which yeah yeah I'm addicted to right now. They're so good. Uh, Mustards. Mustard. Hmm. Mustard is part of the brassica family as well. So all of this family of vegetable contain these glycosides. <laughs> I'm tempted to leave it in just for fun. Glycosides. <laughs> it is such a hard word. I don't like it. Uh, well, I like it, but I don't like saying it, I should say. It's much easier to read it, and then you can mispronounce it in your head, right. and nobody else has to right. hear. <laughs> they know that this family of vegetable actually has been linked to anti-carcinogenic properties, uh, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. It decreases your risk of cancer the more you eat in your diet. So, I mean, anything that can really help improve your health, great. And now we're just finding out kind of why it's so good for us uh we know it helps with phase two detoxification how they think it works on cancer is it directly affects cell cycle inducing apoptosis in cancer cells when needed so this is one of those things have we talked about apoptosis yet i think we may have but please give uh, everybody a little refresher so i think the clinical definition is program cell death Mm -hmm. but basically what it comes down to is when cells are sick Basically, they take one for the team. They're like, you know what? I'm not healthy. I shouldn't be here. And so they commit suicide. Right. And there's this whole uh, very conserved chemical pathway that happens um, that causes that induces apoptosis. So the cell dies. It eventually gets eaten up and broken down. Some of it's recycled. Some of it's eliminated. And this is part of what we need to happen in our body. Right. This is like totally normal body regenerating itself over time. Yeah. And we need that to happen in order to maintain good health. We want cells to die off when needed so that we can make room and save resources for the ones that are strong and healthy. And that's one of the things that doesn't work well for cancer cells specifically is they don't know that they need to not continuously procreate. What is the word for divide and divide Divide. and divide, right? (laughs) They don't know that. So they just keep doing it. And that's how you end up with lumps and tumors and masses inside. So this is a very linked to how cancer, cancer physiology. Yeah, totally. So that's kind of why broccoli has been getting and cruciferous, I should say broccoli is kind of like the star of the show, but there's so many that you can be including in your diet. Kale was the star of the show a little while ago. I think that's kind of fallen out of favor a little bit now. Everybody's like, why kale? (laughs) 
this is why <laughs> we want to be eating lots of this it's really good not to mention like all the other health yes. benefits of uh these cruciferous vegetables so looking at you know they there seems to be this growing link in a lot of investigation into chronic inflammation and it's connected with chronic disease uh, and the, this disease progression um, as people age. And so uh, this, the researchers here, we're starting to look at, you know, maybe there's a connection. We see that there's a connection with chronic disease and chronic inflammation. I wonder if people that consume a lot of broccoli somehow pick up other advantages such as a lowering of inflammation. And so they wanted to look at how high concentrations of these special compounds. <laughs> We're just going to cheat. I'm not going to say the word. If it lowers inflammation in people. So they were looking at IL-6, TNF-alpha, C-reactive protein, and IL-8 beta specifically. They were looking at overweight individuals because we know that people that are obese or a little bit overweight do tend to have more inflammation in their body because of that excess adipose tissue. Adipose tissue is not just a fat storage mechanism. It actively interacts with the rest of the body, produces a lot of inflammatory hormones uh, and whatnot. So they wanted to see if there was a connection. And then the other thing they did uh, in this study was look at the bioavailability of all of the metabolic products. And so they were so actually doing the whole study. What does that mean in yeah. English? how much the body was actually absorbing and utilizing and they weren't able to actually detect. So they were looking at urine because that means that it had actually been absorbed, was entering the bloodstream and then slowly being filtered out. Right. So they weren't able to detect the glycosinolates, but they were actually, I'm getting to the results now, they were able to pick up on other metabolites in the urine, but they wanted to confirm that the compounds that they were interested in were actually getting in the body and being used so that's right. bioavailability how your body is able to digest break down absorb and utilize any specific component which would be so wanna... different from if it wasn't absorbed it would just go straight out with the stool it would just yeah and the whole absorption system it wouldn't necessarily get into your blood into your body into your system circulate and get filtered out by your kidneys so that's a really good measure between what you're absorbing and what you're just is just passing right through like a lot of fiber yeah yeah and actually there's a lot of things we can pick up in the urine because that's one of the main ways our body filters out things it doesn't want and so you can look at the urine as a way of seeing even things like hormones excess hormones that we're trying to get rid of you know there's a couple of different ways they're excreted one of them is through the urine so it's a really good detection method and they're using that here so this study was a 10 week long clinical study they took 40 participants 21 men and 19 women and they had to have a bmi within 29 20 sorry 24.9 and 29.9 so they were in the overweight category uh, they had to be between 35 and 55 years and have no diagnosed diseases. So still healthy, however, maybe starting to struggle with some of the inflammation that can lead up or may lead up 
to some of the chronic diseases, but they couldn't have been on any type of uh, serious medication um, having to do with diabetes or hypertension, cardiovascular disease, anything like that, that excluded them. They could not be vegetarian, which oh. I thought was interesting because mm -hmm. typically they already consume more plant-based materials. So I'm wondering if right. that would have messed with their results and they couldn't have renal disease. And I think that was it uh, in terms of the setup leading up to the study, the one week before, they were asked to avoid the consumption of all brassicas, and they were given education on how to eat a well-balanced Mediterranean diet. So they were, in some cases, we don't know what they were starting out with before, but they were encouraged to stick to a Mediterranean diet as much as possible. So that may have had something to do with it as well, but we know that there was high levels of those metabolites. That was present we're not sure i don't know if it's clear if if how much the dietary changes would have changed but i think they were just trying to kind of level the playing field right they want the lower baseline so then you can measure changes more when you're starting from a lower level if you're going to exclude brassicas for example you're going to get them all out of your system yeah before you kind of start measuring so that's yeah but i'm i'm just kind of the back of my brain is wondering how much improvements in inflammation would have been seen just by switching to a mediterranean diet because we know how beneficial that can be but all of them were on the same diet so and then the other thing that they made note of right at the beginning of the study and i thought this was really really interesting there were no dropouts at all and there was no adverse effects so they were able to easily do this for 10 weeks without any problems every single participant. Excellent. Yeah. So compliance is high, which was awesome. 30 grams, which is about half a serving. They were told to avoid cooking the sprouts. And this is important too, for anybody at home who eats sprouts, you want to try and keep them raw because in that form, you don't have any degradation of any of the nutrients that you're looking to get. So not true with all vegetables, but with, right. with sprouts, yes. Right. And for sprouts, just, I don't know if you remember when you were pregnant, did they recommend that you don't eat sprouts? Yeah, because there's bacterial contamination. Right. Like if you're growing them at home, I was going to save this for the end, but if you're growing them at home, you really have to be diligent with washing them and making right. sure they stay clean. So yeah, because there can be bacterial growth, which can make right. people sick. So. Yeah. so it's almost like there's this window for sprouts where they're like, the most amazing in terms of maximum nutrition and minimum uh, microbial contamination. Yeah. It's so great if you can just make them at home because then you can control all of that. Yeah. I need to get back to making them. I used to make them all the time. So in terms of how they were asked to include them. So they were given like once a week, they would have a tray of sprouts dropped off and then it would be up to them to cut it and eat it fresh right oh. off the tray. Uh, they were encouraged to include sprouts in salads, cold pasta salads, cold sandwiches with different combinations of cheese, ham, tomato, lettuce, grilled pork, grilled vegetables, just add it right in, uh, could also be included in burgers. And then they gave the example, the California style burger, which ingredients are broccoli sprouts, bacon, avocado, tomato, burger, and bread. I would totally like, try that. I would totally eat that. That sounds delicious. <laughs> Except for, strangely enough, I don't eat bacon. I don't like bacon. Oh, and everybody, what? I know everybody gets all worked up about that. But everything else sounds good. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but what a yeah. great way to add sprouts, right? Like yeah. just throw it in whatever you're eating. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, other recipes included uh, gazpacho, smashed potatoes, melted cheese, 
mixed with bread and spreadable cheese. Like some of this stuff I wouldn't recommend <laughs> as a nutrition professional, but it's like, okay, well, they're already eating fairly well. And that's really what it's about is eating well most of the time and just finding ways to like bump up nutrients in whatever it is you're already eating. Right. Right. And these are so nutrient dense that, it, and they sound so versatile. You can put them in so many different meals. You can put them in anything. So if you're trying to eat more sprouts, just buy them and throw them in anything. Right. Literally, you got wraps, you got sandwiches, you got salads, like it doesn't matter. Burgers. Uh, one thing I, well, you know, so one thing I do, so we at our house, we love pizza so much. We built a cob fired pizza oven what? and like wood fired. It's yeah it's oh my gosh it's so good but we'll make these like the thin crust pizzas in there and sometimes i'll make up a big salad and i'll put the salad in the pizza and then wrap it up so it's like a pizza salad wrap and then eat it that way <laughs> like i don't want to make any dirty dishes so we're just right. gonna wrap everything up together and eat it and it's so delicious so as i was reading through this i'm like i could totally just add sprouts to that <laughs> yeah you know, that sounds great. Yeah. I love these ideas because making things really simple for clients yeah. Yeah. is really going to help them actually meet their goals better. So this is fantastic. I well, love who doesn't like pizza? I know. It's like, you know, you make some or salad. And, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there are things that are weird that you don't eat. So no, don't kidding. even. <laughs> we all have so our you, quirks. One of my kids doesn't like bacon. So it's totally cool. We just, we, we we're going to be best it. friends when we finally meet. We'll be the no bacon buddies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird. My brothers always bothered me about that. They're like, I can't believe you don't eat bacon more for us. So right, I don't know right. how much they complain, but they definitely tease me about it. Uh, so they took samples of the individuals, of course, on day zero before anything had started. They took it on day 70. So after the 10 weeks of having broccoli spreads every day, they waited another interval, day 90, and then they took it at day 60. So they were waiting to see the long-term effects, like how long it was lingering for. Uh, they took blood samples and they took urine samples. So they were able to track it. There was no major difference within the participants, which is always nice to see. They saw high levels of the glycosinolates and their metabolites in the urine. It was uh, done through high throughput, I think it was ELISA testing. The inflammatory biomarkers were tested through ELISA as well. I think we have a moment just to talk about what ELISAs are. Sure. I um, I did it once in university and I've never done it since. So I love a little refresher. Yeah, I've done quite a few of them when I worked in the lab. So for anybody that hasn't worked in lab, the definition of ELISA, it's actually an acronym. It's enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay. So it is a testing method that specifically looks at proteins and it's able to detect how much of a protein is there by using antibodies. And specifically what we're doing is looking at flagged antibodies. So basically the flag is a color if you have, say, a lot of a protein, you're going to have more of this flagged antibody binding, which means you're going to have a stronger color. And so what they do is typically they're doing them in these 96 well plates that just hold a little, little tiny, tiny yeah. bit of a sample. You put it in, you mix it up. There's different ways that you can do it. I won't get into the details of it, but the end result is you have this flagged antibody binding. You compare it to a control and you're able to figure out the concentration of how much antibody body is there 
or how much protein is there that you're looking at. So that's a very, very quick Coles Notes version. Did I leave anything out? Um, I just want to say that those, those 96, well, what, what are they called again? The, the 96, 96 well plates. Yeah. Plates. Just they plates, remind me all. of like bubble wrap, but upside down. So it's like these tiny little yes. wells and instead of all of being, little bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. They're tiny. I think they hold something like, God, how long it's been so long since I've been in a lab. I want to say like a hundred to 200 micro microliters. Like so not small, even very smaller than bubble wrap, but it's like this plate of like upside down teeny bubble wrap. And each one has its, yeah. They're not even very big. I want to say like three by five or six inches for 96 of them. Yeah. For 96 little wells right, and so each little well would be a different sample. And then right. of course, some would be reserved for the controls. So you would put down a whole bunch of different concentrations of like a control protein so that, you know, as the colors changing, because that's what we're measuring is the color change based on how much protein is present. You can compare it to whatever the control is. Everything in science has to have a control at the same time. So you can directly compare. Yeah. So that's, that's the ELISA. Um, it's used in a lot of labs. It's really quick and easy. Whenever you see on the news, they're talking more and more about all this testing that's being done with COVID and you see them using these little hand machines that suck up liquid and you see a whole bunch of tips on the end. Yeah. A whole bunch of ways that they're able to suck up that volume. The pipettes? Yeah, the pipettes. That's yeah. that's what they're doing is they're using these um, 96 well plates so that they can pull up multi-volume and do like multiple samples at one time. This is how they're able to process so many samples at one time is using these 96 well plates because they use such a small volume of liquid. Um, and so you can get up to almost 100 samples per plate. Right. And it takes be with these like multi well pipettes now, or these multi tip pipettes. Now you can be mixing things up the recipe up so many samples at a time. It just increases throughput. Cool. So yeah, really, really cool. Um, so that's how that was done. So now shall we talk about the results? Well, Although yeah. we've been really kind of skimming this a little bit. So we talked about how we suspect there's a connection with inflammation. And there is. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, <laughs> we'd be this excited if these were not awesome results. Probably not. Every once in a while, spoiler. I come I know, spoiler. Every once in a while, I come across a study and I'm like, there's the results are insignificant, like all of them, which basically right. means like that that in itself is significant. Right. But I'm like, there's something that's just not exciting about that. <laughs> right. And you know what? This is a whole other segue on publication bias that we could do another entire episode on, on oh why a lot of things with not exciting results are actually not published. So I know, total I know. Other and we're feeding into that. How bad are we? <laughs> but these results were very cool. So we saw significant decrease through the whole study of IL-6. So after... 70 days after 90 days and even after 160 days the whole way through even after they stopped eating the broccoli sprouts still lower amounts of il6 in the blood which is good because that's inflammatory that's a very it's inflammatory yeah marker yes yep. so that's indicative of how much inflammation there is the other one which is connected um is c-reactive protein we look at that one a lot and with that one there was also significant decrease in CRP, which is also an inflammatory marker, but this we did not see lasting results. It was when they were eating sprouts, there was a direct reduction, but it did not last. As soon as they got off the sprouts, that reduction disappeared. Huh. 
Yeah. So as long as you keep eating them, it will help that. So, right. and that typically is one of the markers they used as an indicator of your risk of cardiovascular disease. CRP. Yeah. CRP. So that is also useful information. I thought, you know, like if you know you're at higher risk or it's something you want to try and reduce your risk of and be in control a little bit, this is one of the ways you can do that. So the other significant information I got from the study, and this is, this is curious and it, it, it has me asking more questions. <laughs> there was a reduction in body, ma- uh, body fat mass. There was not a reduction in weight, just body fat. Which is interesting because this is not an observational study. No. This study actually was intervention. They had people change one part of their diet for a certain duration and they made these measurements. So this yeah. is really interesting because there's this kind of study shows that there's more of a link between this result and the broccoli sprouts than if we were just if it was a, a normal, like a, a one of the typical nutrition studies. So this is really interesting. Well, yeah, because it was only when they were eating the sprouts. Like once mm-hmm. this the sprouts uh, stopped being eaten, there was no significant change from from day one. So they're comparing like day zero to seventy. That was significant. Day right. zero to ninety not significant day zero to 160 not significant so it was only during that sprout consumption that they noticed a lower fat mass percentage in the participants very cool that is really cool and then there was significant increase in dim that that one metabolite i was telling you about that's the one that they really noticed that there was a significant increase during sprout consumption so we're kind of thinking that that might be the connection because that's the one that we saw the most significant change in. I mean, there was much higher amounts of all of them, but that was the one that seems to be highlighted in this study. So that was really, it was really cool. You know, eating mm-hmm. sprouts can have such a significant effect. They did mention that previous studies by the same group looking at sprouts did notice that sprouts were able, they were looking at different inflammatory markers, this time at prostaglandins. They did notice that some of the prostaglandins that were decreased were the inflammatory ones. And so they've seen other ways that sprouts decrease inflammation. So that was an interesting little tidbit to add. I did not go back and check the other paper, but I'll find it and link to it in the show notes if anybody wants to go back and check that one out. Um, They talk about sulforaphane. This one is making a few splashes talking about the benefits of sulforaphane. I mean, we, like I mentioned, we know it's really good for the liver. We're starting to see now how it can really improve inflammatory status. And I have heard through other sources, although I haven't verified it yet, it's showing marked improvement in brain function for people that consume lots of sulforaphane. I want to go back and maybe see if I can find that study. It's interesting interesting. that we're talking about brain function, because I think for me, there are all different motivations that people have to make behavior changes Mm -hmm. and to have a healthy lifestyle, right? Some people, they have a history of something um, in their family, or some people, um, you know, they want their brains to keep working as well as possible in age. So it's so cool when you see these individual nutrients and, and, and biochemicals that are in foods, and then we do absorb and have an effect on the body and they have different effects in different parts of our bodies. Yeah, well, they do. And we're just, I mean, we're just starting to scratch the surface now to understand how specifically they're benefiting our health. Like, yes, eat broccoli, 
eat broccoli sprouts, <laughs> eat all the cruciferous vegetables because they're all going to help improve our health. And here's so many ways that they do it. It's, right. it's just really neat. They did mention that there are so many different effects and it's likely due to the combined effects of all of these different metabolite products. Right. So we're seeing a little bit of food synergy here, which is why I'm always of the belief like food is the best way to go. If you can get any nutrients through food, there's just something about getting it when it's combined with everything it's supposed to be with, you just get a better effect. Um, they did make a note about this link to this body fat mass they think it has to do with that i3c decreasing adipogenesis so basically that i3c has a direct impact in fat production and fat storage so that was really interesting especially for those because there's so many people nowadays trying to lose weight and just trying to find ways to improve their health the obesity epidemic is big has big impact Maybe something like eating broccoli sprouts is just a very small thing we can do to really start having big benefits to our health. And it sounds like it's something that's really simple and yeah. easy to do. You don't need a lot of it. No. You could potentially sprout them at home. You could. You could definitely purchase them, support local businesses, maybe right. get them delivered, eat them any way you can get them by the, like even by the handful, by the sounds of it, right. <laughs> but you know, it's, you, you can eat that them might be two way. day servings though, because you only need a quarter cup. <laughs> you only need a quarter cup, but I don't know. Does the mentality of like more is always better apply here? Do we know? We I don't, I don't think know. Studies on that. It sounds like there's such a, uh, a high concentration yeah. in these little tiny, tiny baby plants. Yeah. But I'm curious too, like sprouts there's so many different seeds you can get to sprout i'm really wondering what are some of the other health benefits and other sprouts like again i just have so many more questions after right. reading this paper i'm like that's so cool okay eat broccoli eat more sprouts but like what else don't we know <laughs> what kind of seeds do you sprout you were mentioning oh my goodness it's time you were mentioning that you sprout seeds all you need is a mason jar and cheesecloth mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that's it i've done alfalfa Okay. and there are others and I can't remember maybe I did buy broccoli sprouts I should go check my cupboard because they don't go bad <gasps> I know if I make some I will post pictures for sure because I would definitely yeah cool cool I think I've done mung beans in my past a, a while ago yeah. I sprout mung beans. I'm not a big fan of the bean sprouts I they're too big for me I think I like the smaller sprouts the smaller mm -hmm. seeds but yeah you just you soak them overnight in cool water and then rinse them off and here's the thing is you just after that you you don't want to let them ever sit in standing water you want to give them a chance to dry out but you need to rinse them off like four times a day but you use either cheesecloth or you can actually get like plastic lids for the jars that are like a mesh that just fit onto like a wide mouth mason jar. And then all you do is just rinse it off, pour off the water, but then you tilt it so that the sprouts are sitting out of whatever little bit of water is ever cooling there so that they have a chance to dry so that you don't ever get bacterial growth or at least you minimize right. bacterial growth. You have to wash them four times a day minimum. You should keep them out of sunlight uh, in a, just an area that's room temperature. And yeah, just, I normally would just tilt it upside down on a piece of paper towel or kind of put them on an angle on a piece right. of paper towel. So any excess water could drain off, but they were still getting like gas exchange through the mesh. Right. And 
That's it. Cool. I'm sure there's much better YouTube videos and resources online if you want to start growing your own sprouts. It's not expensive by any means. It's not labor intensive by any means. You just have to be diligent about washing them. Otherwise, you could get pretty sick from some of the bacteria that grow on it. But yeah, I mean, I think for the pack of seeds, all you need to start with is a teaspoon. So when you get, sometimes it'll, you'll look at the seed pack and it's like, oh my God, $13. But it's like, you could eat seed, the sprouts like every day for the rest of your life and still have seeds. Because <laughs> all you need <laughs> is like a teaspoon to start with. And they grow and the kids are like, oh my God, because it's like taking over the jar. They just, they grow so much so fast. And then you just eat them and start over. Right. So, that sounds great. Yeah. Quick, easy, simple things you can add to your diet to just have these huge health benefits. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much for sharing this uh, article. It was really interesting to see the the differences. And I can't say I've ever tried broccoli sprouts, but I am open to it now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a project for this this spring. Hey, get your kids right. involved and your husband, get them participating yeah. because then when they do, then they just other people are more likely to participate and eat them afterwards. Right. So well, it's good that they already love broccoli. So I can't complain about that. Part. Yeah. Well, I mean, any way you can get it is good. It's just going to yeah. help. But these are just like super powered broccoli, really like 50 right. up to fit, like depending on how they're grown up to 50 times the concentration. Right. That's crazy. Right. So you just need a little bit every day. Yeah, Just a little bit quarter of a cup sounds good that's all yes all right. thank you so much for sharing oh, this thank you for listening to me ramble and mispronounce words and, for the past half hour and remind me what eliza is all about because i haven't done it since school oh my gosh <laughs> yeah it's been a little while that's for sure but those are fun again i'm sure there's lots of really good science communicators out there who share all of these really cool techniques if you want to learn more. Um, but that's the basis of it for you to go look up if you're wanting to just learn more about how some of the processes are done in the lab, some of the tests are done in the lab. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you can keep up to date with all of the current research that we're talking about. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms at Research. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget to leave us a message. You can give us a rating and let us know if you have a topic or a particular study that you would love us to go over. We'll be happy to uh, put it on our list of amazing studies to look at over the next little while. That would be fantastic. We want to know what you want to know more about. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.